السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم، الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا. من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له، وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله. وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتفاتها وكل محتفة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So we start our reminder today on Iman an increasing Iman in the month of Ramadan with the statement of Allah Azawajal in the Quran وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحِيْنَا رُوحًا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِي مَا الْكِتَابُ لَلْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُورًا نَهْدِي بِهِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا وَإِنَّكَ لَتَهْدِي إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِينَ Allah Azawajal addressing the messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Thus have we given you an inspiration of our command. You did not know what was the book and no Iman. You did not know what was the book and no Iman. However, we have made it to be a light by which we guide whomever we will from our servants. And indeed you, O Muhammad, you guide to a straight path. In this verse, Allah he mentioned to his messenger that you did not used to know what was the book and nor what was Iman. And Imam al-Sa'di, he mentions that the meaning of this is that you had no prior knowledge. You had no prior knowledge of previous books, nor of the legislation of the Sharia, because you were an unlettered prophet. You did not know, you did not read, and you did not know about the previous nations, the previous prophets and messengers, and the previous books. And so you did not used to know that. And likewise, Al-Baghawi, rahimahullah, he said, what is the meaning? You did not know what is Iman. What is Iman? He said, the shara'i' and the ma'alib. This means the legislations and the teachings that the Qur'an came with, that the Qur'an brought, the teachings about Allah, His Tawheed, His names, His attributes, in detail. And likewise, the legislations of Allah, what He legislated upon His servants, of the commands and the prohibitions and the ibadat, the Messenger did not used to know this until this book and this message came to him. And so this message and this book, this Iman that Allah mentioned in this ayah, what is this, is this Iman? This Iman, which is the Shara'i' and the Ma'alim, the teachings and the legislations, it is the beliefs that we are obligated to believe. It is the speech that we are obligated to speak with. And it is the actions, the acts of worship that we are obligated to perform. And this is Iman. This is Iman. This is why with the people of the Sunnah, Iman is belief, speech and action. It is qawlun wa'amalun wa'atiqadun. And that's why we see from the Salaf and those after them summarizing what is Iman 
They say al-iman qawlun bil-lisan wa'tiqadun bil-jinan wa'amalun bil-arqan bil-arqan yazidu bita'atir rahman wa yanqusu bita'atish shaytan that iman this faith is the statement of the tongue the expression of belief it is the belief of the heart and it is acting by the pillars or acting upon the pillars the out of the affairs of, of worship it increases with obedience to ar-rahman obedience to allah the most merciful and it decreases with obedience to the shaytan and this is the reality of iman of this faith or this belief which enters into the hearts it is something which enters into the hearts and then the action verifies what is in the heart and we find that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he taught us something very important about the reality of this iman he said in a hadith reported by abdullah bin amr radiyallahu anhu which is authentic that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said innal imana la yakhlaqu fi jawfi ahadikum kama yakhlaqu thawb indeed iman it um, it becomes worn it becomes old it becomes broken right it, it becomes uh, worn and torn in the heart of one of you in the same way that a thorn becomes worn and used and, and old so then he said ask allah fas'al allah ta'ala an yujaddid al-iman fi qulubikum so ask allah make dua to allah that he revives or he renews this iman in your hearts so in this parable the messenger of allah sallallahu has given us knowledge about the reality of iman that is found in our hearts it is something that becomes old becomes worn it becomes torn it becomes used it becomes used it loses its like the thobe even the white thobe over time it loses its whiteness and it gets scratches and tears and things like that this is the nature of iman in the heart of every one of us and for that reason we see obviously there are reasons for that there's idleness there's laziness that we all fall into there's the danger of worship becoming a habit an aada rather than something that we have love and zeal uh, for uh, we commit sins we all these things combined then they lead to this iman as we said uh, becoming worn and torn and old and used which is in need of renewal and the renewal of this iman and the refreshing of this iman we know it takes place by many many things by dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with dhikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with istighfar with seeking forgiveness with tawbah to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of performing the the obligations by coming to Uh, lessons and listening uh, and remembering allah in the gatherings all of these affairs renew iman and keep it fresh and this was something understood by the sahaba radiyallahu anhum because they used to as is related from muadh bin jabal they would come to each other and they would say 
Ijlis bina nu'min sa'atan. Come, let us sit and let us renew or increase or revive our faith for a moment or for an hour. And this is something related from Mu'ad bin Jabal, radiyallahu anhu. And so, once we understand all of this, that this is the reality of, of Iman in the heart of the believer. If you do not tend to it, if you do not address it and keep on top of it and renew it and refresh it, then it is going to go the way of a thobe or a car which is neglected or a house which is abandoned or any other thing that you know and experience in your day-to-day -day life that if you leave it and don't, don't keep on top of it, it becomes old, broken, worn, and so on and so forth. And this is the reality of this Iman. So this Iman, the increasing of this Iman, we know that there are certain drivers of outward action. They are love, fear, and hope. They are love, fear, and hope. And these emotions which are present in our heart, they in turn rely upon something more fundamental, which is knowledge, ilm, and certainty, which is yaqeen. So knowledge of what Allah revealed, and certainty in that, this then drives the love that we have for Allah and obedience to Him. And the hope that we have in His mercy, and likewise the fear that we have of His displeasure and His punishment. And so therefore when we speak, and if we speak about the increase of Iman, then it obviously has to be tied to these things, to love, to fear and hope. And likewise underlying that which is knowledge, ilm and certainty. And so with this introduction, what we are going to do is we're going to look at the side of fear, first of all, the side of fear, and then the side of hope and love. And the side of fear is because before we even think of increasing our Iman, then we have to protect and be fearful of what we already have in case we lose that. So this is what comes first before we even speak about increasing Iman. This is something that the Sahaba and the Salaf, they knew and they understood very, very well. And so in this respect, we go to a beautiful chapter by uh, Ibn Battah rahimahullah ta'ala who in his book Al-Ibanatul Kubra when he's speaking about Iman there are two volumes just on Iman and in one chapter he says Bab Al-Iman Khawfun Warajaun Chapter Iman is fear and hope and so we're going to speak about fear Ibn Battah rahimahullah he says that the intelligent people among the believers, they fear for themselves and they fear upon their souls that Iman, this belief and this faith may be stripped from their hearts. And likewise, they fear hypocrisy upon themselves. And they fear that the one who feels himself to be safe and sound and secure, the one who thinks Alhamdulillah, I'm a believer, I believe in Allah, I have believed, I am now safe and I am sound, and I will enter paradise. And he thinks like this, he thinks himself to be secure. Then they say, they used to believe that such a one is, you know, they feared hypocrisy upon such a one,
who thought this about himself and about his iman. That this really is the way of, of hypocrisy and the hypocrites to think like this. This is not the way of the believers. And this is what has come in the Quran and the Sunnah. So we find in the Quran, Allah Azawajal, he says, Describing the believers, those, or he says, those whom they call upon themselves seek nearness to their Lord, and a means of nearness to their Lord, to see which of them is closer, they hope in his mercy, and they fear his punishment. Likewise, he says of the believers, that their sides forsake their beds, meaning at night time, and they invoke their Lord out of fear and out of hope. So they combine between fear and hope. And after mentioning these ayat, Ibn Wattah, he goes on to mention certain uh, narrations. The first of these is the hadith of the Messenger of Allah who went to see a youth who was in the throes of death. He was ill and he was in the throes of death. And the Messenger said to him, how do you find yourself? How do you find yourself? And he said, I hope in Allah, Arjullah, wa akhafu dhunubi. And I fear for my sins. And the Messenger of Allah, he said, these two do not unite in the heart of a, of a servant in the likes of this moment or in the likes of this time, except that Allah gives to him what he hopes in and protects him from that which he feared. So these two qualities do not unite in a believer at the likes of this time or this moment, meaning at the point of death, except Allah gives him what he hopes for and protects him from that which he fears. Likewise, he mentions the statement of Abu Idris al-Khawlani, rahimahullah ta'ala, who said uh, that, مَا عَلَى ذَخْلِهَا مِنْ بَشَرٍ That there is not found on the face of this earth any man who does not fear for his iman except that it will leave him, it will go. And similarly, a narration from Al-Hasan Al-Basri, rahimahullah, from Hisham, who said that I heard Al-Hasan say, Wallahi ma mada man mada wala baqiya illa yakhafu nifaq wa ma aminahu illa munafiq. He said, By Allah, no one passed who passed and no who remains except, he's speaking of the Sahaba, the, 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 the Sahaba, except that he feared hypocrisy upon himself. And no one felt safe from hypocrisy except a munafiq, except a hypocrite. And likewise, we have another, another narration from Hamad bin Zayd, who said, narrating with his chain from Ayyub, and then from Al-Hasan, Al-Basri, he said, by Allah, no one arises on the face of this earth, no believer reaches the morning, who is on the face of this earth, reaches the morning, and nor reaches the evening 
except that he fears hypocrisy upon himself. And no one feels secure from hypocrisy except the munafiq, except the hypocrite. So meaning that this is an actual uh, sign of Iman, that a believer reaches the morning and he reaches the evening fearing hypocrisy upon himself. And without his fear, then there is the danger that a person will be stripped of his Iman. And likewise, also, Ibn Muqtah, he mentions with his narration to Al-Hasan, someone said to him, there is a people in Aqwaman, yaz'amuna anna la nifaq, wala yakhafuna nifaq. It was said to Al-Hasan, there are a people who say there's no such thing as hypocrisy. And nor do they fear hypocrisy for themselves. And Al-Hasan said, Wallahi, لِأَنْ أَكُونَ أَعْلَمُ أَنِّي بَرِئُ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ طَلَّاءِ الْعَرْضِ ذَهَبًا By Allah, that I have the knowledge that I am free of hypocrisy is more beloved to me than having an earth full of gold. And likewise, another narration, this time from Nu'man bin Amir, narrating from Al-Harith bin Mu'awiyah, who said, I was sat with the companion Abu Darda. The, comp the companion Abu Darda, radiallahu anhu. And he was speaking in a, in a gathering, in a circle, and he was speaking about Ad-Dajjal. Ad-Dajjal, the great liar. So I said, I said, by Allah, there is something that I fear for myself more than Dajjal. And Abu Darda said, and what is, that, what is it that you fear more than Dajjal? He said, إِنِّي أَخَافُ أَنْ يَسْلُبَ مِنِّي إِمَانِي وَلَا أَدْرِي He said, I fear that my Iman will be stripped uh, I will be stripped of my Iman without me even knowing. And so Abu Darda radiallahu anhu said to him, he said, he said, may Allah belong, uh, may, may, sorry, may, uh, may, may your mother belong to Allah. May your mother belong to Allah, O son of Al-Yabn al Do you see among the people even a hundred people do you find among the people even a hundred of them who fear this fear the likes of what you fear? And then he said, May your mother be, be, be to Allah. Do you see among the people even fifty who fear the likes of what you fear? Then he said it again. Do you see among the people even ten who fear the likes of what you fear? Then he said it again. Do you fear? Do you do you see even three people who fear the likes of what you fear? And then he said, "Wallahi ma amina rajulun qat an yasluba imanahu illa sulibahu wa ma sulibahu fawajda faqdahu." He said, "By Allah, no man feels secure from that his iman should be removed from him, except that it will be removed from him, and when it is removed from him." then, you know, he will find it gone and lost. And similarly, he mentions the, uh, 
the also from Abu Darda radiallahu anhu that he used to say to his to his wife his wife uh, would come to him and um, you know he would say that when a man dies in a condition which is righteous then he would say if only I was in his place if only I had died in his place upon that condition so his wife would come and say to him and say you you often say this why, why, why do you often say this and so he responded and retorted to her وَمَا عَلِمْتِ يَا حَمْقَى أَنَّ الرَّجُلْ يُسْبِهُ مُؤْمِنًا وَيُمْسِي كَافِرًا He said, O oh, foolish one, what, what, what tells you, what does not tell you that a man arises in the morning <coughs> as a believer and he reaches the evening as a disbeliever? And so she said, well, how can that be? How can that be? And he said, his Iman is removed from him, he is stripped of his Iman without him even knowing. And that I die is better for me than remaining upon fasting and praying. Meaning that I die knowing I am free of hypocrisy and knowing that I die upon a righteous condition is better for me than remaining upon fasting and prayer. And finally, the statement narrated from Abdullah bin al-Shikhir that he used to say, Allahumma taqabbal minni sawma yawmin, Allahumma taqabbal minni salatin, Allahumma taqabbal minni hasanatin thumma yaqool, inna hasanatan thumma yaqool, innama yataqabbal Allahu min al-buttaqeen. O Allah, accept from me a prayer. O Allah, accept from me fasting. O Allah, accept from me a single good deed and then he would mention the statement of Allah indeed Allah only accepts from those who have piety from those who have taqwa so this chapter from Al-Ibanatul uh, Kubra about fearing for one's Iman then this is the first quality and the trait of a believer this is a, a trait and a quality that everyone should be perceiving every day when he reaches the morning when he reaches the evening fearing for himself that the iman that he actually has leaving aside what he doesn't have that this iman uh, because the very nature of iman as you've seen in that hadith that it is like a thobe that becomes worn and used and torn and ripped and so on and so forth and loses its 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 shine and color and so on and so forth this is the nature of iman and a believer continues like this not paying attention until his iman is stripped from him. He wakes up one morning and he does not find that, that Iman and all he finds is the hardened heart which does not respond to the Quran, does not respond to admonition, does not respond to the speech of Allah, to the speech of the Messenger, does not have any zeal for khair, for goodness. So a believer fears that this could be his eventual outcome if he does not have this khawf and this fear for himself. So this is from the angle of, of fearing for one's Iman, keeping what he already has, and as you know, the principle that the scholars mention, preserving the capital comes before seeking increase. Right? You preserve the capital that you have before you try and seek increase. As for what follows after that of hope and fear and increasing one's Iman, as we said, we all know that 
There are actions which are from Iman, Istighfar, Tawbah, reciting the Quran, making dhikr, voluntary prayer, voluntary fasting, sitting in the gatherings, listening to knowledge. All of these things we do, they increase our Iman, they revive our Iman. And they bring hope, and they bring mahabba in our hearts. However, these things, as we said before, there's something more fundamental. There is ilm, and there's yaqeen that underlie these affairs. So we should strive to cement and strengthen that knowledge and that yaqeen so then it feeds into the other things that we do. And so from, from this angle, we're going to look at maybe a dozen or so things, a dozen or so points, which relate to fasting and its connection to tawheed and having knowledge and conviction in these ten or so or dozen or so things which then will give us certainty in our fasting and in our ibadah and this in turn will, 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 will increase the, the iman. We will feel the increasing iman when we have knowledge and certainty in these things. So first of all, we know that Allah Azawajal, this is just an introduction first of all, that the call of every single messenger was to tawheed, to single out Allah in worship, وَلَكَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ we indeed sent to every nation a messenger calling them, inviting them, worship Allah alone and avoid the false deities. And so everything that Allah revealed to his messenger from the acts of worship and the commands, all of those things are from the requirements, from the necessities of this tawheed, of this monotheism. And in all of those affairs which we have been commanded, there is an increase in, in the iman of the believer if he acts upon those affairs. So from the first things, or from the first of the points that make us feel an increase in, in iman, is that within this fasting and the legislation of fasting, there is the ta'zim of the sha'air of Allah which is venerating the symbols of Allah. Because everything Allah has legislated, these are from, from, the, from the major acts of worship, the prayer, the fasting, the hajj, and so on and so forth. These are the shia'ir. These are the symbols of Allah. And we see in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah Zawajal, He says, or Surah Al-Hajj, Allah says, ذَلِكَ وَمَنْ يُعَذِّمْ شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ the one who venerates the symbols of Allah, then indeed this is from the piety of the heart. And so when we look forward to Ramadan and we hold Ramadan to be something great and to be from the symbols of Allah from his revelation, from his legislation, this knowledge itself and the certainty in this itself is something that helps to increase the Iman of the believer. And that's why the Salaf they used to, as is known and as you know is related from them, that they used to spend six months making dua to Allah, asking Him to grant them the ability to reach Ramadan. That they used to make dua to Kanu Yad'oon Allah Ta'ala Sittata Ashwarin An Yubligahum Ramadan. That they used to make dua for six months to Allah to allow them to reach Ramadan. So this is the first point. 
that understanding that Ramadan is from the great symbols of this religion and that we are ordered to venerate and to respect and to hold as something great the symbols of Allah from which is Ramadan that in itself creates this expectation and love and desire and zeal for the month of Ramadan itself which in turn then increases a believer's Iman and he takes it seriously the second point the second uh, element of air is our knowledge and our certainty that the right of legislation the haq of the shri to legislate and among the things Allah legislates is the fasting is the prayer is the hajj is the laws of inheritance is the affairs of marriage is all of the rights, duties, and obligations amongst the servants. Allah is the legislator of all of those affairs. Allah has the right of legislation. And we see that He legislated as siyam. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu kutiba alikum as siyam kama kutiba alalladhina min qablikum laallakum tattakun. O you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you as it was prescribed upon those before you in order that you may at attain piety. And so Allah Zawajal, to him belongs the creation and to him be belongs the command. So Allah creates and he legislates. So therefore our knowledge and our conviction that Allah is the one who makes halal what is halal. That Allah makes haram what is haram. And that this belongs only to him and to nobody else. And that he legislated this fasting. He is the legislator of this fasting. And by this fasting, he wanted for us to reach piety and the perfection of our uh, manners and morals. As the Messenger said, Indeed, I was only sent in order to perfect and to complete the, uh, the manners and the, the characters and, and the behaviors of our people. And fasting is from the affairs which Allah has legislated to that end. And so when we have knowledge of this and have certainty of this, that Allah's sole right to legislation, and it is the legislation which is the most complete and perfect and brings out the excellence that is latent within men, then with this certainty, with this conviction, we will have our iman increased when we actually come to, to fast with this knowledge, with this realization, and we will be more serious and, you know, in that respect. The third element, the third point that helps to increase our Iman is that we understand that we have knowledge and certainty that when we are fasting, we are actualizing ubudiyah to Allah Azawajal. We are, we are actualizing, we are establishing the very thing for which we have been created. And uh, this is the ubudiyah to Allah, singling out Allah in worship. And to this end, as, as it is mentioned, kutiba alaykum siyam fasting has been prescribed upon us. And so we comply, we obey, and our attitude is the attitude Allah describes in the Quran, إِنَّمَا كَانَ قَوْلُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذَا دُعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَنْ يَقُولُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا Indeed, the speech of the believers when they are called to Allah and His Messenger that He may judge between them is that they say, we hear and we obey. And those are the ones who will be successful.
So when we hear a command in the Quran, an act of worship or a judgment or information or khabar or anything, then our way is to believe and to submit and to say that we hear and we obey because this is part and parcel of actualizing servitude to Allah alone. So fasting is from that, from among those things. We are establishing servitude to Allah. And likewise, there is no, we don't start asking and thinking, you know, what's the wisdom behind fasting? What's the rationale? What's the reason? I want to understand it and know it so that I can... No, this is not a condition for you to, for you to fast and for your iman to be increased. Rather, it is submission and uh, fulfillment and compliance because it is ubudiyah, servitude to Allah that we seek. And after that, there are other benefits from fasting that Allah gives to us as a favor and a bounty and as a barakah, right? So we establish ubudiyah to Allah and when we do so, having no other reason or motive, then in the acts of worship there are other barakat, there are blessings, there are benefits, there are things that, that come to us as a result which are, which are from the favors and bounties of Allah Likewise from the affairs is, from the greatest of these affairs that increases our iman is that fasting, the greatest reason mentioned explicitly in the Quran beyond fasting is the actualization of taqwa. It is tahqiq and so that's in the ayah as we mentioned earlier on uh, at the end of the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah fasting is prescribed upon you and those who came before you in order that you may be that you may be pious this taqwa as mentioned by Ibn Rajab ta'ala, it is that a servant places between himself and between the things that he fears a means of protection. So what is the thing that we fear? We fear Allah's anger. We fear Allah's punishment. We fear Allah's displeasure. What do we put between ourselves and between that? We put something which is a wiqaya, a protection. What is that? It is obeying Him and keeping away from His disobedience. And this taqwa is the essence of ibadah and ubudiyah. It is, it is tawheed. So to actualize taqwa is to actualize tawheed itself. Because as we know, what is the definition of ibadah? Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, ibadah is a comprehensive term, ismun jami'un, to for whatever Allah loves and is pleased with, from the statements and actions, inward and outward. This is ibadah. And what is taqwa? It is to do what Allah commanded, hoping for his reward, and to keep away from what he prohibited, fearing his punishment. It is but ibadah. So taqwa is the essence of worship and it is the very reason for which Allah he ordered us to uh, fast. And Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu used to, or he asked the companion Ubay bin Ka'ab from the most knowledgeable and the greatest of the reciters of the Quran, he said, what is taqwa? What is taqwa? And he Ubay bin Ka'b gave the example, he said, have you ever taken on a path where you find that there are thorns and things of this nature? And have you not raised your garment and taken caution as you walk, as you proceed? He said, yes. He said, this is what is taqwa. This is taqwa. 
It is to take precaution from what is going to bring you harm. And so this taqwa in the Quran, there's a, there's a verse in the Quran uh, in which Allah Azawajal, he says, وَلَقَدْ وَصَّيْنَا الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ مِنْ قَابِلِكُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ أَنِ اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ We have indeed given as a, you know, for wasiyah, like an advice to those who were given the book before you and to you likewise, أَنِ اتَّقُوا اللَّهِ To have the taqwa of Allah, to fear Allah. And Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he says that this ayah, this one verse here, is like the central, it's like the, the pole around which all of the verses of the Quran revolve. So every verse of the Quran revolves around this one ayah, which is like the pole in the middle. This ayah which says that, you know, the advice, the legacy, the, what is given to all previous nations and to you likewise is the taqwa of Allah. And that's because as Al-Qurtubi says, Rahimullah, uh, all of the Qur'an, he says, uh, Some of the people of knowledge have said, This ayah, هذه الآيه, هي رحى آي القرآن كله. هي رحى آي القرآن كله. This verse is like the central uh, pole of all of the verses of the Qur'an, the entire Qur'an. Because all of the Qur'an revolves around this one verse. There is no goodness in the life of this world or delayed in the hereafter, nor which is apparent, nor which is hidden, except that the taqwa of Allah will make you reach that goodness. And there is no evil in the life of this world or in the hereafter, whether apparent or whether hidden, except that the taqwa of Allah will be a protection and a fortification for you to be protected from that. And for this reason, taqwa was commanded upon all of the nations. So this is the taqwa of Allah And understanding this and realizing this, that this is the purpose for which we fast, then this will increase our iman in Ramadan, increase our iman in Ramadan, and will give our fasting you know, some, 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 some essence, you know, behind it. Likewise, our knowledge and our conviction that whatever Allah has given us of the details of fasting, because Allah has commanded us with fasting, then He also gave us all of the legislations, right? He gave us the ahkam. And uh, so, so this point really is that Allah has given us guidance in every affair and he gave us the details of every affair in terms of its obligation its excellence and that it is in Ramadan and all the rulings to do with people who are obligated to fast and those who are excused from fasting and in what circumstances and so on and so forth when do we you know break the fast when do we open the fast when do we all of these detailed affairs what we derive from this is from, from fasting and then extrapolating to the whole of the religion is that Allah has given us complete guidance in all of our affairs. And this knowledge and this certainty in this allows us to appreciate that we have a deen, a deen which is an upright deen, 
in which everything has been perfected for us and all we need to need to do is to act and to comply and to obey Allah and his messenger so this is the fifth point understanding that the sharia is a manhaj is a way a method for the whole of life also what increases our iman in this month of ramadan is our knowledge and our certainty in the attributes of Allah and from the greatest of the attributes which are apparent in the month of Ramadan is the attribute of Rahmah, the mercy of Allah and this is what draws us to have hope and likewise love and Allah says in the Quran wa ilahukum ilahum wahid la ilaha illahu ar-Rahman ar-Rahim your Lord, your, 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 your deity, your ilah is but a single ilah there is none worthy of worship except He. He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. The most merciful, the one merciful to His servants. And likewise He says, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ My mercy encompasses every single thing. And likewise Allah He says, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرِ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرِ That He desires for you ease, Allah desires for you ease, and he does not desire for you hardship. So from the manifestation, from the many manifestations of mercy is the fact that Allah has given concessions to certain people not to fast in the month of Ramadan because of hardships from them is the traveler, from them is the sick person, from them is the pregnant woman, you know, who, who is pregnant or the breastfeeding woman. And all of this is a manifestation of the mercy of Allah within his legislation. The mercy of Allah we find in His creation. From the things that we see and experience, from the rain, from, from the plants, from the trees, from everything through which you know, we benefit. And that's the mercy of Allah. And likewise, there is mercy of, the mercy of Allah within His legislation, where He has made things easy for us and not difficult, and He has not placed burdens upon us what we cannot bear. And He has relieved us from what the previous nations like the Jews and Christians, they did, they imposed hardships upon themselves, shackles upon themselves. They tried to be celibate, for example, celibacy like the Christians. They couldn't live up to it. And the Jews, likewise, they tried to be so strict and, and detailed and, you know, in, in issues, and it became a burden upon them. And then they tried to find loopholes to avoid the hardships they brought upon themselves. All of this, Allah Zawajal, from his rahmah in his legislation, is that he's made his legislation uh, you know, with ease and within fasting, we see this is manifested. So when we know this and acknowledge this and bring this to mind, this increases is increases us in our iman. Likewise, in the month of Ramadan, what increases what increases the uh, iman of a believer is that he knows he is combining between the tawheed of rububiyyah and the tawheed of uluhiyyah. Or in another way, the Tawheed which is ilmi, Tawheed related to knowledge, and the Tawheed which is amali, which is action. How is this? It is as follows. We know that Allah has ordered us to fast when we see the new moon and to stop fasting when we see the next uh, new moon, right? On the basis of vision of the moon. And the moon is a creation from the creations of Allah 
and by way of the moon and other affairs like the sun and the stars and, and the, the rotation. This is how Allah has allowed us to keep time. So the sun keeps the days and the moon keeps the, 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 the months and, uh, and we are able to keep time. And these are from the ayat of Allah that we observe and witness in His creation. So this is the rububiyah of Allah And we affirm this rububiyah for Him. And then tied to that Allah has tied the fasting. That we fast when we see the moon. That we break the fast when we, you know, when we, uh, when we uh, again when we see the moon. That when the sun disappears in the west and goes below the horizon. That we, that we break the fast. All of these are the ayat of Allah, which are kawniya, which He created. And then our fasting has been tied to that also. So in these things, there is a merger between the tawheed of rububiyyah and the tawheed of uruhiyyah. And so when the believers, they, they fast, they are combining between all of these, of these affairs. Also, point number eight, from what increases our iman in the month of Ramadan, is that in the month of Ramadan, we bring to mind and we believe and we reaffirm our iman in the affairs of the unseen, the umur, ghaybiyyah, that we do not see. Because we have been told that there are certain things that uh, happen in the month of Ramadan which we cannot see from them. إِذَا جَاءَ رَمَضَانَ فُتِحَتْ أَبْوَابُ الْجَنَّةِ وَغُلِّقَتْ أَبْوَابُ النَّارِ وَصُفِّدَتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ When Ramadan comes, the doors of paradise are opened the doors of hellfire are closed and the devils are chained. And so these are affairs that we do not see and we do not know. And uh, also in another hadith that, um, that again, that when it is the first night of the month of Ramadan, the devils are changed, uh, the devils are chained and especially the maradah, the stubborn uh, jinn and the doors of hellfire are closed and no door is left open from it and the doors of paradise are opened and no door is left closed from it and then there is a caller that calls Ya Baghi al-Khayr, Aqbil O seeker of goodness, turn, meaning turn to this goodness and O seeker of evil, Aqsir, O seeker of e evil, stop and pause and to Allah belong certain people who will be delivered and saved from the hellfire in this month and this is on every night so on every night this is happening this is taking place from the affairs of the unseen that we cannot see that a call is being made every night O seeker of good seek seek the good O seeker of evil stop and pause where you are and Allah has people whom he will free from the hellfire on the day of judgment on account of the deeds that they do this night and this is every night and so our knowledge of this and our certainty that this is true and real, this is increases our Iman. This increases our Iman in Ramadan. Also, from the affairs, point number nine, is that our knowledge that the Quran was revealed in Ramadan, that it was sent down whole in uh, Laylatul Qadr, in the month of Ramadan to the lowest heaven, the whole Quran. And then from there, piecemeal, it was revealed to the Messenger of Allah on account of situations and circumstances for which the revelation was, was sent piecemeal. And so again, our knowledge 
of this, that this is the month of the revelation of the Qur'an, it is the month of the recitation of the Qur'an, and we know that the Messenger of Allah used to revise the Qur'an with Jibreel, we know the Sahaba and the Salaf used to pay attention to the recitation of the Qur'an, try completing the Qur'an, um, uh, you know, in the month of Ramadan, this is from the affairs, which likewise will increase our Iman. Also from the affairs, and very quickly now, because we're close to the time, uh, Point number 10 is that this is the month of making sincere and pure dua to Allah Azza wa Jal. And notice how in Surah Al-Baqarah, after mentioning the ayat of fasting, what is the next verse which comes after that? What's the next verse? After verse 186 or so, the very next verse is, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ when your servants ask you concerning me, then indeed I am near. I respond to the one who calls upon me when he calls. So let them respond to me and invoke me and let them believe in me in order that they may have right guidance. And likewise, the hadith of the Messenger of Allah that Allah is shy that a servant raises, extends his hands to him, asking him for goodness, and he leaves him returning you know, empty-handed. Allah feels shy that, that, that he should do that. So from the affairs which increase our iman is this ikhlas to Allah and making dua. Also from the affairs, point number 11, I'll quickly summarize now, is that we know and we understand that we are opposing the people of disbelief. By fasting, we are in opposition to the, the nations of disbelief who do not fast. The Muslim nation is the only nation who fasts a month like this. And likewise, within this fasting, we oppose the people of the book whom, who were ordered to fast but they opposed and deviated and altering the fasting, the fasting that they were commanded with. The Christians did this and the Jews did this. Our fasting, in our fasting, there are things that we do which make us different from them. From them is to hasten the fifth breaking of the fast at the time of breaking of the fast. From them is taking the sahur in the morning. We differ from the Yahud and the Nasara. And Ibn Taymiyyah said, Rahimahullah, that the likes of this, these commands to hasten uh, the, the fitr and to delay the suhoor Ibn Taymiyyah says this is textual evidence <coughs> that the religion the dhuhur our religion become uppermost and manifest is by from it is to hasten the fitr and this is because this is in order to deliberately oppose the Yahud and the Nasara the Jews and the Christians because to oppose them in these affairs is a suburb of the religion become, becoming uppermost. Because the intent behind the sending of the messengers is that the deen of Allah becomes uppermost over all of the religions. So therefore, the Allah actual Allah. act of opposing them is the duhur of the religion.
So in the few moments that we have left, inshallah, in the few minutes that we have left, I'll quickly try to get through the remainder. Uh, so, uh, as we said, that to oppose the Yahud and the Nasara, the actual act of opposing them in itself is from the Dhuhur, from the, the religion being uppermost. And this is what the Messenger of Allah he commanded. And likewise, within this is an increase in the Iman of the believer in that he knows that unlike the deen of the Nasara and the Yahud, that the deen of Islam will be uppermost. And it being uppermost is by way of these affairs which have been legislated in the fasting, by which we oppose them in, in, you know, in, in, in their worship. Also from the affairs that increase our Iman is our knowledge and our certainty that Allah sends Salat upon the people who take sahur. So at the moment of taking sahur, then as we see in the hadith of the Messenger of Allah he said as sahur, that as sahur, akhalatul barakatin. It is a meal that is taking, taken, which is of blessing. So do not leave it or abandon it. Even if one of you was to only take some sips of water, do not abandon it. And then he said, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى الْمُتَسَحِرِينَ For indeed, Allah and His angels, they actually send salat upon those who take the sahur. So as you are taking the sahur, know what, what is the salat, the salat of Allah. When, Allah. when Allah does salat, what does it mean? It means that He makes mention of His Prophet or of the, the people. He makes mention of them to those who are with, with near him of the angels. And he mentions them and he praises them and so on and so forth. This is the meaning of when Allah makes a salat. And as for when the angels make salat, the meaning of that is that the angels, they make dua to Allah for him to, to, to make mention and praise of the messenger and the believer. So this is the meaning of salat for Allah and the meaning for, of, of salat for the for, for the angels, right? It, it is different. So knowing this and have knowledge of this, this increases a person's iman. And likewise, also from the things that increase our iman is that fasting itself is the essence of sincerity of ikhlas to Allah. Because it is an act of worship which is a secret between him and between Allah and so the one who fasts and he prays expecting that reward only from Allah then his sins will be forgiven as we know in the hadith man sama ramadan imanan imanan muhtisaban ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbih that whoever fasts in ramadan out of faith out of iman belief and expectation of reward then all of his sins will be forgiven also from the affairs is our Iman in the name of Allah and the attribute of Allah that He is Al-Ghafoor. He is the one who forgives. Because as we've, as we've seen in the same hadith, lahu ma min Allah is Ghafoor. He is Ghaffar in this particular month. And this is why, as we said, with hope and with love, we seek increase in our Iman by way of this fasting and seeking reward for the prayer and the the fasting and the recitation of the Qur'an. So this is also from the affairs which increases our Iman 
in the month of Ramadan. And finally, final thing is that fasting itself is a Jannah, it is a shield, it is a shield from sins because in the month of Ramadan we perceive and we feel uh, the mercy of Allah and the reward of Allah and so we seek to keep away from these affairs. That's why the messenger said, As-Sawmu Jannah, that fasting is, an, is, is, is a shield. And so this also is from the greatest of the objectives behind fasting is to prevent you and to protect you from sin and from what results from sin of punishment. And so this also, this knowledge and this certainty in this affair of fasting is what increases our demand. And so with that, we conclude our short reminder. We ask Allah to give us tawfiq, to benefit and to act upon that which we have heard. And with that, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.